Welcome to the Female Influencer, Career Advancement Strategies for Women. I'm Lacey Shane. Today, my guest is Katerina Hankova, and she has been a longtime friend of mine, but she's also an expert in salary negotiation for women. And thanks for being with me here today, Katerina. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Lacey. Yeah. So I thought we could start by just having you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. So I have been in the financial industry for 14 years, and my primary function is financial planning. I am a certified financial planner, and financial industry is very male-dominated. So I myself am navigating through the challenges what it is to be a female in this industry, and I am also noticing what it's like for females to seek guidance and support while they are pursuing their financial independence, having to navigate this through the sea of men who perhaps don't have the same goals as women, perceive financial goals differently than women, which may be very difficult for a woman to feel heard and also get the support that she needs. In my practice, I focus on working primarily with women for all these reasons and plus more. And primarily, I'm noticing that there is a great discrepancy in pay between genders. And that's something that really bothered me. And this uh, salary negotiation project really evolved out of passion for wanting to help. It was just my next level of helping. And I figured if I can help women negotiate their salaries, perhaps this gender wage gap could be closed. And there is a sense of fear around negotiation. Um, the research that I have done has shown that women have nothing to worry about. There is a ton of information that they can use to get better pay. And I've had great success so far helping women increasing their compensation packages by significant amounts. So now if I look back and I think about, oh, gosh, what if she didn't negotiate? That's a lot of money left on the table. So this is what drives me, the support for women and seeing women get what they're deserving. Well, uh, I love what you do, and you've even helped me and some of my clients before. Uh, and, you know, as you know, I also only work with women. So I think, you know, together we're a force for women. And um, I really appreciate that you're focused on women. I think at one point uh, you told me, well, maybe this is part of uh, the answer to my next question. Um, I was going to ask you about the total amount on the table at the end of a career, but you developed a presentation. Um, I know you developed it a long time ago called Plan Like a Woman. And, you know, what is that presentation about and why did you create it? Great question. So the reason I created that is because I really saw differences between how women need to plan for their financial future versus what men can get away with. So, for example, Women statistically live longer than men. But if we account for the gender wage gap, and let's say the average is 70 cents on the dollar nationally, if a woman is earning less by 30%, 
however, lives much longer than a man, this amount that she had saved up, which, you know, she had less opportunities to save up more. Now she has to make it last a longer period of time. So the numbers alone just don't add up. And it's not just the salary itself. It's also perhaps the match that the company would make into her 401k, which is based on a percentage of the base salary. The other credits that she's also paying are into social security benefits. So if she's making less, her credits are lower, which will inadvertently result in a lower social security benefit. So with all of these shortcuts, she somehow has to make it last a lifetime and her lifetime will be longer than a man. So these are all the disadvantages that women maybe forget, are not aware of. Frankly, I feel as though the industry itself is not aware of it. It's not really being addressed, accounted for or solved. So that's why I put this presentation together to make women aware of the hurdles that we might need to watch out for and also some solutions on how we can overcome them so we can also be financially independent at the end of our life, just like men. Yeah, and you, I think I heard you say, did I hear you say at one point that the difference between men and women at the end of their career can be upwards of a million dollars? It's about 1.6 million. Oh and God. that's if, you know, let's say starting out of college, a man and a woman get a job, he negotiates because statistically men do that more frequently than women. So if he negotiates his salary, she does not once single time. Perhaps she needs to take time off to ha have family. Now that's shortening the opportunities on how to save up for retirement. And if we account the possibility of increases, you know, again, the, the uh, contributions to the 401k, the next time she goes up for a job, she's going to be asking for a much, much lower amount because she's been making less in the last job. And also the money that she could potentially save and invest and all that compounding interest that she would have earned over her career those are dollars that she's missing out on. And at the end of their career life, let's say both these individuals retire at 65, he will eventually have extra $1.6 million that she'll be missing out on. Wow. So not, not only does it impact the woman, but it also impacts her family and her children uh, towards the end of her career as well, right? Because so many of us work because we're trying to take care of a family as well, not just ourselves. So um, yeah, that's so enlightening and um, disheartening, but enlightening. So why do you think we have such a hard time asking for money? That's a great question. And there are two reasons, in my opinion. One is rather systematic, and the other one are some sort of limiting beliefs. So the industry, and I would say kind of the job market, is just set up around the, the fact that women didn't work, let's say, 40, 50 years ago, right? Only 10% of the workforce was represented by women. And if a woman did work, the husband was the breadwinner. So her salary or her wages were kind of just a bonus 
for the family. So there didn't seem to be a need to really reward her for the job that she's doing. But things have changed. Women really have highly positioned careers. And it's still kind of perceived as her husband will take care of her. But we know that's not the case in every time. Some women don't marry at all. Some women don't marry a man. Some women have a husband who's disabled, unable to earn, and then the burden comes onto her. So it's very unfortunate that this notion is still out there and women are not perceived as equal in the workplace. Yeah. When it comes to our self-limiting beliefs, we can do the damage on ourselves very easily. And women have been kind of told to just be grateful for the opportunity. So if you're being offered a job, just keep quiet, take the job and be glad. But that's completely discounting the value that she's bringing to the employer or the job, the company, what have you, because her skills have value. If you were to do a search for the role in the area that she will be working in, it has a dollar amount attached to it. So we need to get into the habit of pricing ourselves ourselves kind of like we would when we're putting our house on the market. When we're putting our house on the market, we're not worried about what the buyer can afford. We know the value of the home and that's the value we're listing it at. And we kind of have to look at ourselves as an asset as well. And women have been told, you know, don't be greedy, don't be demanding. Uh, women are afraid that they'll appear as this prima donna or height maintenance if they negotiate. You won't. There is a little nuance in between how men can negotiate and how women should negotiate. So we don't appear as greedy, but we still have every right to. And when a man negotiates, it's absolutely expected. When a woman negotiates, it, it may be a surprise. So if we do it in a very soft way, just maybe inquiring, you know, we're curious about what the company can do. It's much different than if we come in very strong, let's say like a man would and say, you know, this is too low. Is there flexibility in the number? But it's absolutely doable. I'm helping a woman out of state of New York right now. And this negotiation is much longer than anticipated because she's negotiating with two guys and they're making it tough for her. But we're very close to getting it wrapped up. And I told her, you're not bending down just because they're being tough or they don't like what they're hearing from you. It doesn't mean that you're not bringing in value and you're not worth this number. Yeah. Wow. I was smiling as you were talking about to the comment just to be thankful for the job or what you have. I had a coaching client. I was doing some group coaching this morning. She said exactly those words. And it was told to her by the HR department. And the HR department was a woman. And I was shocked. And um, but this is the kind of thing that you're talking about. Um, <clears throat> isn't it true that um, I want to get to my next question, but you were talking about some of the consequences. And I have heard that the biggest category of people in poverty 
is elderly women for the reasons that you've been talking about. Have you heard that statistic? So I haven't heard the statistic, but as I work with female clients, I do get a sense of fear from them. And it only leads me to believe that they have either experienced this themselves or experienced someone in their family going through it. My client's biggest fear is that they will be a bag lady under a bridge. And the first time I heard it, I thought it was a joke, but I have heard it from several different women, you know, independently. So it leads me to believe that there is this common sense of fear. And I think it's stemming from the responsibility that we take on ourselves to take care of everyone else. So whether that's children, uh, family members, parents, and even our spouses, we're naturally a caretaker. If our child wants to go to grad school, we will literally take food out of our own mouth to support that child. We will get in debt so our child doesn't have to. And then in the long run, that can affect us a great deal. Maybe we're taking a uh, reverse mortgage on our home in retirement so we don't have to leave. Or maybe we're selling our home and moving to a cheaper place, moving with our children. But um, yeah, um, the poverty when it comes to older women, it's just due to the fact that we wanted to take care of everyone else and kind of put ourselves on the back burner. You know what's so sad about that for women who have daughters is we're sort of teaching them how to repeat the cycle. And it would be nice to think that women could learn negotiating skills for not just their own sake, which obviously the stakes are high, but also for our daughters and our daughter's daughters, you know? Uh, Wow, that's really interesting. You do such important work. I want everybody to know too, that you do coaching. You started to do one-on-one coaching on salary negotiations. So, so that's really cool. Um, you know what, one other thing I want to add is that I've heard you talk about before, um, is the happiness factor. And the fact that, uh, some areas in the United States where more lucrative men might live, that women will tend to marry for financial security, which also has an impact on divorce rates. Can you comment on that just a little bit? Yes. So I live in Orange County, Southern California, and the divorce rate in this area is about 72% for the first marriage. So If we look at four couples who are married today, chances are three of them will be divorced. And the national average is about 50%. So Orange County is beating it by a high margin. And I kind of do attribute it to the financial aspect. So we know from, you know, divorce attorneys and the statistics that what leads to divorces a lot of times is the change in net worth or financial situation. And this change could be positive or negative, and it will disrupt the couple enough that maybe they find out that they're not right for each other. And I think to live in Orange County, have a family, beautiful, safe home, be able to you know, take your children to perhaps private school and all the other sports, curric- extracurricular activities, 
it costs money in this area. For a woman who is earning 70 cents on the dollar, is renting out a really expensive but tiny apartment, it's not feasible to bring a child into a situation like that. It's only natural that she needs some financial support to do that. And in some cases, that will be the motivation for women because we also are kind of, we hear the clock and, you know, there is pressure from society and peers on when we're going to have children. So it's not uncommon that a woman would make that sacrifice to have the children, to give them a good home and perhaps not focus on her own internal happiness. So few years into the marriage, now children are in the picture as well. Couple finds out that it's really not a right fit and they have to separate. So she's starting kind of all over again and may hopefully learning the lesson that the happiness is really the primary thing. And if there is financial security, that's a great bonus. But this is also kind of why I built the seminar Plan Like a Woman is because I wanted to show women that they don't have to marry for financial security. There are tools and methods and techniques to create your own financial independence and do it in a way that's aligned with yourself, that, you know, in a way that you believe in and perhaps not having to make sacrifices, sacrifice our dignity compromise our integrity or anything like that because that's ultimately what we're also teaching the children that we're bringing into this world absolutely um what do you think is the biggest hurdle then that women have in negotiating a fair compensation package what's the what's the biggest thing we're facing so what i hear the most is if i negotiate they'll pull the offer is that true it's not true absolutely not I have heard maybe of one case where the offer was pulled, but it wasn't because of money. It was more about the fit of the candidate and the company. So I have interviewed a number of people to put my salary negotiation seminar together. And this consisted of men who negotiate their salary as well as HR professionals. And I spoke with a uh, HR consultant, he has a PhD, and he really gave me the full lowdown. And till this day, I cannot thank him enough for this secret sauce. So he said, I've hired women, I've hired men. Women just don't ask. And he said, when I settle on a candidate, I just went through a series of interviews. We've eliminated you know, bunch of candidates, we settled on the one that we believe is best. If they ask me for more money, of course, I'm going to give it to them because I don't want to start the process all over again. And they also have an X amount of dollars to kind of throw on top if the candidate negotiates. So we know that the companies are financially prepared for this. They expect it. And in his own words, Dr. Bob Adamic is his name. He said, women just don't ask. But now having this information, it became very easy for me to just take what I learned from these individuals, package it up and just tell these women, this is all you need to say, all you need to ask. And it sounds easier than it is. And that's where my coaching 
comes in, um, I don't teach just the tactical steps and things to say in my coaching. I also work on that confidence level, overcoming the fear, over asking. I also bring in the perspective of the employer. I speak with a number of recruiters all the time, kind of getting feedback from there so I can deliver it to my women. So the woman is truly fully equipped to go into the negotiation. And it's mind boggling how much money my women have gotten just for simply asking. It's almost like I want to go ask somewhere because <laughs> it's that easy once we ask. It's like there's money sitting on a platter and we're not taking it. It's absolutely exactly what it is. We're sitting at a table with the other party and there is a plate of money that we just need to make an ask for. Wow. One of the things I forgot to mention is that you so generously donate your time to uh, the Women's Leadership Program at Cal State Fullerton to teach salary negotiation to our students, our female students that are learning how to be successful from the beginning of their careers. And I just want to make a comment on that. Think about the impact they'll have on that 1.6 million at the end of their career when they start right away. It's so cool. Yes. Um, and that's what's so fulfilling, getting these young women starting early. And I love that program at Cal State Fullerton. And once in a while, I'll also get an email saying, I did everything you said. It worked. I got this extra. And that's what warms my heart because that's why I put this out there. Donate the time. It's really good to know that it's making a difference. Yeah, yeah. We hear that too from a number of them. And I remember from the last time that you shared this valuable information with them in your workshop, you said, even if you get a top salary, I, I forget how you said it, but basically your message was, and you can clarify this, was always negotiate something. Even if your offer was fair, always negotiate something. Why, why do you say that? That's a great question. So I've had even my own friends come to me and say, the offer came in exactly how I wanted it. I don't need to negotiate. But think about how we enter the company if we don't negotiate. We're perceived as a person who did what they were told. Offer was put in front of us. We said yes. Now we entered the company. Um, I've heard some studies about people do not like people who do what they're told. So that's not really the light you want to be perceived as when you had just entered a new company. However, if you negotiate and communicate your value through the process, that automatically positions you as a leader. So the way you are perceived upon entering the company is completely different than if you just slotted in, if you will. So in those cases, you know, women focus on the base salary mainly. What I do is I take the offer apart piece by piece, and I look for any little hole that we can ask for. And frankly, the offers never come in completely perfect, because even if you got the good salary, the base, then there is an opportunity for sign-on bonus. What about annual bonuses? What about uh, maybe car allowance? What about a parking spot? What about perhaps executive package of benefits, which means you have perhaps more disability insurance, more long-term care insurance, life insurance. All of these pieces have value. And don't get me started on extra week of vacation. 
we forget that that has value. And in this one case, the one woman was making $250,000 a year, which one week equals to $5,000. And she wanted an extra week. That's five grand right there. And the company awarded it. It wasn't really that hard. But again, she almost didn't want to ask. And then with my guidance, she got that, the extra week, plus she got a $15,000 bonus sign-on that wasn't initially mentioned at all. So 20 grand right there just for asking. So even if you think the offer came in at where you wanted it, keep in mind that there might be other aspects of the offer that can still be improved. Including the way they see you as you're walking in the door. That was absolutely very insightful. Wow. Yes, because then she may be put on special projects or initiatives that add visibility to her within the company. And then when a role opens up, she's definitely going to be considered for a promotion because she's now positioned as this leader. Nice. I love it. So you're now coaching women. Where can women find out more about that if they want to reach out to you? Uh, Great question. So I'm on LinkedIn and it's Katerina Henkova, K-A-T-E-R-I-N-A-H-E-N-C-O-V-A. I don't have an official website for the coaching, but that's something that's in progress. So stay tuned. But if you need to get in touch with me in the meantime, I am accessible on LinkedIn. Okay. And I'll put your contact information below uh, the podcast and the YouTube video as well. Great. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So do you notice any trends in the way of females um, as it uh, pertains to compensation and Um, where we are now compared to a few decades ago? Have we made any progress? Yeah, so I think the progress alone is also seen in just the types of roles that women are taking on. Previously, we could see women primarily in, let's say, supportive roles. So admin, secretary, um, healthcare, and education is naturally uh, more female-heavy. So in the corporate world, things have started improving in terms of women moving into senior management and C-suite, but we still see discrepancies in pay. I am really proud of the women who are executives, however, that they do know their value and they advocate for themselves. Now, what the company wants to do for them is another issue, but just in the last I would say two to three years, there has been a great push for equity, diversity, inclusion. So that's um, already helping as well. But I have recently worked with a woman who was going up for a CFO role, and she still was a little hesitant to negotiate. Um, We improved the package tremendously with my help. But so progress has been made, in other words, but there's still more room to grow. If the gender wage gap is 30%, that's a big gap to close. So So women need to start getting to negotiate. (laughs) Get more assertive. Yes. What is your advice for women who, they already have a job with a company. Now they're trying to get promoted. Maybe they didn't negotiate for the first position, the position they have now, but they need to do it for the promotion. Is there any groundwork they should do? Yes, absolutely. And I recently worked with a young woman out of state of Hawaii. And she started off as, you know, worked at a dive shop and was kind of just helping 
uh, clients who came into, let's say, rent a gear. But her role evolved into really being the manager of all operations. And she shared her frustration with me. What do I do? My title has not changed, but I am doing the work of five people. So I coached her on really summarizing the work that she's doing and what it's doing to the company, how it's improving the processes in the company, driving business, increasing revenue. And she went up to the boss, stated everything. She got a bonus and an increase in the hourly wage. So it works even if you're already employed. What's really important is to build your argument and demonstrate the the value that you're bringing into the company, how it's changed over the years that you've been there and how there hasn't been an increase in um, the pay, you haven't been rewarded and all of that. So there are pros- there are procedures for that as well. They're a little different from negotiating the salary prior to entering, but it's most definitely doable. You know what else is negotiable? Severance package. I did that last year for someone, of course, due to pandemic, a lot of people were getting laid off. And this was for a gentleman and uh, we negotiated a really high severance. He literally could have taken a whole year off of not working. So you can negotiate virtually anything. Nice. What's your number one piece of advice for women who are listening when it comes to compensation? Number one advice is understand what the role and the job that you are performing, what is it worth? And there are plenty of websites that assist with that now. You want to benchmark yourself, just know what a competing company would pay for you. So that's a great start. And then you can figure out whether you're getting paid less or more and determine your comfort level with that. The second second number one tip, (laughs) Um, preparation. Mm. You know, you can read all the books, you can be coached, but what's really important is to actually rehearse the way that you will be speaking to the other party. Because when you're talking to them, you want to appear so confident that they don't even question what you're saying. It needs to appear as though you have said it to multiple employers prior to this one. And smile actually goes a long way. As much as women are tired of hearing to smile more, (laughs) smile gives the other party a perception that you're confident and you're also liked, right? So it's easier to have these tough discussions if you're friendly and confident and they like you. Well, I want to thank you so much, Katerina, for visiting with me today and sharing your wealth of wisdom. You're a needed force in the world, and I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. This has been great, Lacey. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to help. I'm Lacey Shane. Wherever you are listening in the world, remember, you are the power.